I still have a lot to learn about working from outside, but I know, like, I'm aware that I would get a lot more jobs in the U.S. Also, if I was like a citizen, I could take on any like tiny freelance job, and I wouldn't have to worry about visa. But eventually, yeah, I would love to come back. Welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozolanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamoto Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Juan Montoya. He is a Latino artist working as a background artist at Awesome Inc. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Uh, hello. How's it going, guys? Yeah, my name is Juan I'm a background artist. I've been working in the industry for about three years now. I was born in El Salvador, but um, I consider myself from Colombia because I grew up there and like half my family is from Colombia. But yeah, as Latino as they come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh up the plane. <laughs> uh, we can probably get more into this later, but has your whole career been working from Colombia or were you able to work in the States for a bit before the whole remote from work situation happened? My career started in the U.S. and then I moved outside of the country and now I'm working from Colombia. Before we get into that, the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and then you have to choose between the two of them and then let us know why. Nice. Okay. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. Who would you rather be the next door neighbor of, knowing full well that their constant shenanigans are going to drag you into it? The Simpsons from The Simpsons or the Griffins from Family Guy? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like a younger me would have said The Simpsons because I would have been friends with Bart Simpson, who's probably the funnest kid of the whole like Griffins uh -huh. or Simpsons but now that I'm old I feel like I'd be a victim of his shenanigans <laughs> I'm 30 years old so he's gonna well, prank call you how old is Bart technically now 60 <laughs> how long has the show been on the air <laughs> but no I mean I guess I would pick I guess I would pick the Griffins because I've never seen them bothering their neighbors who aren't like Cleveland or or Joe <laughs> or Quagmire. I've never seen any of your other other neighbors. So like in in this situation you would basically be like Cleveland Joe or Quagmire. I would like, be one that of would, them. That would, you'd yeah. be you would be like in proximity, right? Wait, wasn't wasn't there an episode that Peter kept accidentally destroying Cleveland's house when Cleveland was in the bathtub. He's like, no 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 oh, yeah, yeah, slide yeah. off. Oh yeah. no, oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Well, if I was going to be Cleveland, then I guess I would. Wait, no, The Simpsons destroyed Flanders' house, too. It's all yeah, bitterly I mean, gone. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. They only ever bothered Flanders. You don't know who's like. Because Flanders is to the right of them, right? Yeah. They bothered George Bush Sr. when he moved across the street. <laughs> Yeah, that's a I'm an animation nerd. Like I know stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but have we ever seen their left their their neighbors to the left of them? Have they ever bothered those neighbors? Honestly, I don't know. The ones with the little ledge where Bart like hops and then like he skates over Homer's car. I oh, I've never seen that house. Uh, like I, I don't know who lives there. At least for me, I probably would choose the the Simpsons because I feel like. As long as I'm not like a Flanders, I'll be okay. As long as I'm not a Flanders. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Griffins bother everybody. I yeah. feel like hasn't there been times where like again, all for the gags, but I think that I think there's been times where Peter has showed up in like Joe's pool, like without permission. <laughs> He's just chilling there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the the Griffins are a bigger menace. Like Brian would sleep with your wife. I like, <laughs> I don't know, like, Chris would harass you, like, Peter would definitely harass you. Like, I think the, the only one person in that family that would leave you alone would be Lowe's, maybe, depending yeah. on what, whatever Seth MacFarlane was into those days. <laughs> That's true. I think, like, similar to your point of, like, 
oh, uh, if I was like a 30-year-old now, Bart would definitely like annoy me or, you know, pull a prank or whatever. I feel like yeah. I would rather be pranked by Bart than be bothered by Peter Griffin, who is also a grown ass man. <laughs> and I like, I don't know, the, the concept of that like bothers me way more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like Bart's pranks would be more whimsical and Peter's would be like life destroying pranks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peter would like freeze your like the pipes in your in your house and then like you would have to move or something. Yeah, for sure. And that's not even like bringing up Stewie. I feel like Stewie would break both your kneecaps. Stewie would would like psychologically torture you. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah, like becoming absolutely. a shell of your former self. <laughs> yeah, man. The Griffins are wild. All right. Last question. Whose lab assistant would you rather be? Professor Utonium from the Powerpuff Girls or Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory? Ooh, both sound like awful experiences. <laughs> Dexter is one of those bosses that you hate and but not like oh like like I hate him but he's a good boss like he, like, he knows what he's doing but like Dexter just sounds like he would just be an asshole too like the whole time <laughs> and Professor Utonium if I was a scientist I don't know if I would trust him <laughs> I feel like his greatest accomplishment is his greatest mistake <laughs> <laughs> also, what is chemical X? I don't want to get be near that thing. <laughs> yeah, what kind of professor is he anyway? What kind of professor is he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming maybe some kind of biologist because he was trying to create something. I don't know. Well, he was trying to create the perfect little girl, which already his premise is already going in the <laughs> Very bizarre <laughs> train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> the more you break down Powerpuff Girls, the more you make Professor Utonium does sound pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> creepy. I was going to say, Mojo Jojo was his monkey too at one point, right? And then he became yeah. evil. That's true. Yeah. He also was affected by Chemical X when the Powerpuff Girls were born. But they do portray him as a pretty nice guy. So on one hand, we have a terrible scientist, but he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, we have a terrible scientist, and he's also a terrible person. Dexter <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is a pretty good scientist, I would say. Like, he has a lot of stuff that does work. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he didn't do evil things. That was man dark. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you're Professor Utonium's assistant, your main responsibility was just to make sure you keep Chemical X away from him. <laughs> That's your only job. <laughs> yeah, just make sure he doesn't spill chemical X again. It's like a broom handle that, like, it's the... Oh, no, it's the mixing spoon, right? That, like, breaks yeah. the bottle. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so is, it is he a scientist or a sorcerer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like mixing stuff in a cauldron. <laughs> Witchcraft. New cartoon theory. I guess I would pick Dexter. Yeah. He picked Dexter. Wow. And his really? lab. He may be mean to you. His lab looks way cooler too. It's like okay. massive. <laughs> but yeah, he would be That's very fair. mean with his Russian accent. <laughs> but yes, he would be very mean. <laughs> He'd be so mean. Uh, I don't know. Like... Yeah. I, I, I feel like Dexter might be one of those people where like, um, if you were working as a lab assistant, he would either have you Crouch down to his level, or he would have just step stools everywhere just so he could be taller than you and look down on you. <laughs> he would be constantly in his like robot walker. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing up there? Oh, I love in cartoons when they add like sound effects for like robot limbs. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <Weech>. yeah. <laughs> they probably use that sound so many times in Dexter. Like every episode, there was something. I... <laughs> How about you, Ray? What what would you go with? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think if I was Professor Utoniums, I think my responsibility would be to keep Chemical X away from him. But if I was Dexter's, I think my responsibility might be just to keep Dee Dee away. Oh yeah. But I feel like Dee Dee is more of a handful. I think I would go Professor Utonium. I think yeah. I I, I think it'd be a lot more chill. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be way more way more chill. Yeah. Dee Dee was a slippery folk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didi was terrible. (laughs) 
Yeah. She's a menace. Yeah, actually, like, just a menace. <laughs> what about you, Yuki? Uh, well, I would probably also go with Professor Utonium, but maybe because uh, if I was his assistant, he'd just be like, watch my my experiment children. What? <laughs> he needs a, he need a babysitter? <laughs> oh, okay, I could do that. <laughs> but also, I'll do some science. But that looks way better on a resume, though. Like, your job is babysitting, but on your resume, you put lab assistant. The Powerpuff Girls? They're famous! Of course I want to meet them! <laughs> and they're all very sweet. They're very nice. Like, I feel like they wouldn't yeah. be a handful to, like, babysit. The pretty responsible yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. Most, like, for the most part, right? Thank you so much for playing with us, Juan. Hopefully you had fun playing in between. Yeah, it was fun. All right, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, good job. The interview's over now. All right, let's go. All right, and then to our audience, if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter or Instagram at straightaheadap or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. Just want to say, Juan, it's so great to have you on. I'm glad we were able to have you on as a guest, and I'm so excited to get to know more about you and your story. So, to start off, could you tell us? How you first got your start working in the animation industry? Well, first of all, like thank you for having me. My first mm-hmm. job was at Awesome Incorporated. It happened around eight months after I graduated from college. Mm. I just kept wow. sending resumes everywhere. When I first applied to Awesome, I was still in my junior year. And they have this like oh, rolling oh. application form that you can fill out on their website. And I didn't get it like the first two times that I applied. And then the third time, uh, eight months after I graduated, I tried to be like really thorough in my application. I talked about my favorite project that I did back in school, which was my senior film. I tried to be as specific I could about it, tell them what I liked about doing those backgrounds. It was, it was this whole like movie where, where I was the only background artist. So I had to draw like all of the, the storyboards were really, I feel where it would be like kind of like rudimentary. So mm. we had no idea what kind of spaces the characters would be moving around in. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to basically almost kind of like re-storyboard all of these shots to have a base in order for me to do the, the backgrounds later. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, was, wow. it was a really fun project. The movie was called Carried Away. And yeah, no, I was just really passionate about it. I tried to be as specific as I could explaining it in the little like prompts that they have. And they contacted me about three weeks after I applied. And they said they liked my stuff and they wanted me to test for a show that they would review. So I mm-hmm. tested for it and then they got back to me and they told me, we love your stuff, but we have no vacancies. <laughs> I was wow. like, oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole, like, me applying for jobs, I was raising a ticking time bomb. Because when you're on an F1 visa, you only have, like, six months to, like, get a job. Not, not six months, because this was, like, almost like... It's like a year, later. right? I have a year to work, but... The unemployment days are like pretty short. So in order to kind of like during the first year, you can do volunteering like opportunities. And I did one of those just to kind of like extend my unemployment days a little bit. But you have like Mm -hmm. you have 180 days of unemployment. So in order to extend that time, like I was doing a volunteering opportunity and meanwhile applying to like real like animation jobs and real i mean like they're paid you know yeah yeah yeah. so i'm like applying against this like time bomb and then you know they get back to me and they're like we got no vacancies like you don't have anything but and i'm like oh man okay like i'm running out of time here right and they told me they were gonna like the producer that contacted me told me that he was gonna pass my info to another uh recruiter recruit another producer within awesome incorporated and this producer she contacted me like a week later and she told me like we need some help with some backgrounds like would you be available like and i was like anything anything please (laughs) (laughs) so i go there and my first job at awesome inc was doing some backgrounds for some commercials and i only work like a day and a half 
Like I went Whoa. into awesome. I worked like that. They gave me like, they even gave me a name tag <laughs> and, <laughs> and I worked there. I did the backgrounds they needed me to do. And they were, and like after like a couple of days, they were like, all right, well, you're very fast. <laughs> like, uh, thank you so much. And we'll keep you in mind if we need anything. Oh uh, my like, God. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Wait, so when they brought you in, did they give you a deadline? They're like, oh, here's basically all the backgrounds we need. Like, they didn't give me a deadline. It. They just told me, like, oh. basically, they just gave me, like, hey, we need this background. I did it. And they were like, cool, we need this other background. And I, I did it. And it was like a really short commercial. It was for like Snickers or something uh, like that for okay. adults. I wonder one. if you could have taken your time. Yeah, like, I'm like kind of wondering. I, if like, I know you... I would have taken three months to do one background. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then they just kept my information and then they contacted me again. And they were like, do you want to do freelance or tender touches? Mm-hmm. And that was Tender Touches season three. So my first like actual like job in the industry besides that little commercial gig was <laughs> Tender Touches, and I was the only background artist in that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the episodes are only ten minutes long, and it's only five episodes for season three, the one that I worked on. And yeah, if if you go through the credits, it just says background artist one, <laughs> <laughs> just one. For those that might not know, because I haven't heard the show, because I don't watch a lot of Adult Swim that much anymore. But what is Tender Touches? What's the, what's the premise of the show? Tender Touches is a goofy little show about a guy who's blind and he has a brother, and his brother has a terrible relationship with his girlfriend. It's like a soap opera, but cartoony and like really rough looking. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those Adult Swim shows that look like like they're just like brushed and like kind of like uh <laughs> rustic like um mm-hmm. yeah yeah just like kind of like really basic i had fun working on it but it, I, I would draw holding my the pencil like a like a steak <laughs> so that i, <laughs> like I could child. get like like a wobbly line kind of like texture oh stuff. that's smart yeah uh, it makes that's sense. so funny <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen some yeah, of those yeah. backgrounds they are very simplistic it's kind of interesting yeah. like how much work goes into making something look <laughs> shitty like yeah shitty like for <laughs> lack of a better word i mean it's it's supposed to look shitty because it's supposed to look funny so yeah exactly yeah i mean like it was uh, yeah it was super fun and if you're in the u.s you can watch it for free on adultswim.com good plug good plug yeah <laughs> i don't get any royalties so i don't even know why i did that but yeah you want to check it out God, i wish <laughs> Uh, one of the things I kind of want to ask you, how would you describe the role of a background artist in the animation pipeline? Well, it's the most important part of the animation pipeline, of course. <laughs> Dude, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff. And depending on the kind of show that you're working on, if it's like a first season, you are probably, if you're a background artist, you're probably going to be there all the way from like storyboarding up until almost compositing and even 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 a little later uh in one of the shows that i worked on like there was some pre-production work done in order to get the look of the show but the backgrounds like we were drawing keys and defining the style of of the show as we went and then we were a team of four and then everyone left and i was there all the way into compositing so i was doing backgrounds and editing like previously made backgrounds Mm -hmm. in order to help like compositors and animation people because like sometimes you need to extend the background sometimes you need like to change the color Mm -hmm. of some things to kind of like make scenes match like better so yeah sometimes you get to work like a really long time on show it's part of the look of the show it's really interesting to me when i was working like as an intern for Craig of the Creek, we had mm-hmm. a background design role, which is basically they would draw all of the line art. We had background painters, which would actually put color onto the line art. So those were like two separate roles, as opposed to you as a background artist, you're doing like probably one piece all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then they also would do that because some of those background designs would go overseas to be painted. And Mm -hmm. like not all of the backgrounds are made in-house for like a studio like Cartoon Network. They'll do some of them and then some of them 
those things will be used as a resource or as a reference for the outsourcing studio to like complete the rest of the backgrounds for the episode. Yeah. And hopefully you can reuse some of them from other episodes. For sure. Yeah, no stranger to outsourcing. We we had to prepare some packages and oh, cool. yeah. shows that I worked on in order to be outsourced to mm-hmm. Korea, I think. Yeah. You mentioned it when working on your senior thesis or short film, uh, Carried Away, how you had to pretty much reboard certain sections just to make the backgrounds with the characters fit in that space. Have you found yourself facing kind of a similar situation in your current career now? Like, do you feel like sometimes when you receive a board, you're like, I don't know where this character is in space? Or like, what's, as a background painter, what's helpful to you when receiving boards to make the background, make the backgrounds? I gotta say that like, once like you're in the industry, the storyboard artists are top notch. There's definitely a couple like a couple like tiny shots where it's like, what's going on? But you just rewatch the scene and you kind of like help yourself like know where the action is taking place. Mm-hmm. But I guess as a background artist, what we want from you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's you know just like a solid floor line with like like a grid. And if there's walls and stuff, just like a, a, a close approximation of where they where they are. Ultimately, okay. the action is more important to, than like the set. And I've never been a background lead, so if if I ever get to that place to like be a background lead, like uh, I guess I'll be working cl- closer to the storyboard artists in order mm-hmm. to define areas and stuff. That's honestly it's helpful and to think about because sometimes inboarding. It could be super fast, super crude, and sometimes you just don't have time for certain things. But you should yeah. always at least have time to do some kind of grid just to... That way, well, again, it's helpful to the border. It's helpful to everybody. But just knowing where the camera orientation is and how yeah. the camera is leveled. Mm-hmm. So something else I kind of want to ask. From working from Tender Touches Season 3, you then worked on Bird Girl, also as a background artist. Mm-hmm. How would you compare those two experiences, especially since the style of the shows are not similar in the slightest art direction wise. There, yeah, no, they were completely different. Like, yeah. uh, a Tinder Touches background would take at most like 10 minutes, whereas like Bird Girl, like, I could go 10 hours on a Bird Girl wow, background. Okay. Well, Bird Girl was lineless, which which I love doing, but it's challenging, you know? Like, there's, there's a lot of like shapes that you have to make using like paths and like sometimes you just use the lasso tool and you have to define volumes with color and, and, uh, and like light hitting them as opposed to just like line up. Mm-hmm. Completely like different experiences, even if it's the same job. Would you say you prefer a style like that that's more like rendered, more detailed? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Although currently I'm working on a project where we do line art and just now, like we've done line art for like five months now. And just now we're starting to do painting. And I feel like you get to be detailed in both areas, not just like, like I got to be like really detailed with like scaffoldings and like little like uh, city details. Mm-hmm. online art and then in color like i also get to like add a little bit more texture and stuff when you kind of get into the details what kind of stuff do you like to do is there like a certain niche that you have when it's like like oh i really love adding bolts to like m- oh. or really like or i really love like i love a good bolt. A nice wood, wood, <laughs> wood floor plan <laughs> like or like oh, i love adding like foliage to like trees like what's your like what do you zone out on the most or what is, is something that you like like like, oh, I, this is my jam when I get to do these kind of detailings. I love drawing trees, but I hate painting trees, especially <laughs> in like, yeah, especially in like backgrounds that are like line heavy, kind of like Bob's Burgers and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Painting trees and like plants is horrible in those because you have to fill out every leaf manually uh, because you don't want to mm-hmm. just like select like the drawing and then just paint it behind because you're going to get like a lot of like little gaps and then like for example if there's like a, a branch and then it comes up to a leaf uh-huh. then there's ink between like the branch and the leaf so uh-huh. if if you leave that like if you just paint over it you're going to have gaps all over your your paint layer mm-hmm. 
Mm. So you have to paint it manually. So yeah, I hate drawing foliage. <laughs> but I, I mean, I hate painting foliage, but I love drawing. <laughs> drawing it is really fun. I, I like I like dirty backgrounds. I like backgrounds mm. that are like like a city, like alley, and like there's like cigarettes mm. on the floor and like trash and like maybe like a dumpster and there's like stuff like dripping down the dumpster. I love little texture stuff. That's why I like the most yeah. probably. <laughs> That's interesting to me because, like, yeah, because I feel like with any discipline, there's something that you tend to jam with a lot more. I feel like with boards, I find it really fun when I actually get to do some kind of action, you know? So yeah. those are always fun to me or when I can work with, like, a specific character. But, yeah, like, I feel like in animation, same thing. There's, like, certain, like, some people can get really detailed, with like, oh, I just love doing hand movements. Like, I love when I can do, yeah. like, a nice hand motion or something like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was interested in seeing like what's kind of like your, what you like, kind of moving forward. You also worked at Bento Box, producing work for Netflix's Sunday Morning All Stars hits, and also uh, Mulligan. I saw mm-hmm. the trailer for Saturday Morning All Star hits. It's kind of wacky and out there. It's a kooky it's like, show. Yeah, it's very, very <laughs> like like eighties, nineties, like you know, like variety kind of show yeah. like it's mm-hmm. so what was it like making backgrounds for a show where it's like every episode seems like they have a different segment or a different bit so there's no probably consistent art direction or what's your yeah. consistent art direction like how was that show there was a consistent art direction and in, in the way that like each episode has it had its own or, or each cartoon within this like universe had its own aesthetics right and we and each 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 show had a different mood references that we used and like different inspiration but it was such a different experience from from anything else because like you're used to doing like 10 13 episodes everything like looks the same you're trying to be consistent and here you're like one day you're doing something that looks like like a ghibli movie and then the next day you're doing something that looks like some upa kind of like cartoon or like or like what was it? What was another one? Or, or like Scooby Doo? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was super interesting, super cool. I had really, really great mentorship from our lead artist. His name is Wes McLean. Mm-hmm. He he was amazing. Like I learned a lot from him, especially in like perspective and like using harmonious colors. Yeah, he he's got like great aesthetics. And like if, if you guys have time to like check out his portfolio. Like, really good stuff one of the things that have yet to be released has been mulligan however you're designing and painting backgrounds in harmony yeah describe that workflow because that's interesting to me like i know it can be done but like mm-hmm. i'm assuming i would think it's easier to drawing it in like photoshop stuff and just importing it in. like what's the benefit you're getting from doing it in harmony for for mulligan so when you design a background in Photoshop and then you want to import it into Harmony, you have to flatten every mm-hmm. layer in order for animators to animate around all of your assets, right? And it's it's a process called templating where you kind of like flatten them first in Photoshop and then you bring them into Harmony and you kind of like set up the file and leave it ready for animation, right? So like, for example, you painted like a table and then some chairs and like yeah. the background and if you need the character to to go in between, you'd mm-hmm. flatten those and then exactly. each one. Yeah. Yeah. And then if like the chair falls and it breaks, you have to draw the broken chair and like they have mm-hmm. to be able to turn all of these assets off and stuff like that. So you have to basically create the file in harmony in order for them to like use it and animate around it. And it's not a mm-hmm. it's not a long process. It can be tedious because like each background like takes maybe like four or five minutes to template it can be faster like you can you can probably write like a python script or something to like do it really quickly but sometimes there's like little manual things that you have to tinker with like transparencies and things like that that are, aren't the same for every background so you kind of have to do it manually you don't have to do that in, in harmony if, if you draw and design the backgrounds in software like it, it, it really is the future because you can you can do anything within the software and then you can re-edit 
without having to have an entire pipeline in a different software. You can re-edit within the mm-hmm. the software. And then painting is mm-hmm. way easier in Harmony than it is in Photoshop. Really? <laughs> Not in terms of effects, like textures and like gradients okay. and like things like that. That's better in are, Photoshop. Are you talking about just like fill bucket? Like just yeah. fill bucket tool? Yeah. Because okay. if, if you're careful with your lines and you draw everything like neatly, you can just like tap to like paint and it makes it complete. And then if you want to re-edit and pass it, like for example, like you draw a chair and they tell you, we want this chair to be like thicker or we want the chair to be like taller or we don't like the legs of the chair or something. You can just edit the line art and then the paint layer will just fill automatically. So you don't have oh. to repaint as you would in Photoshop. So it, it, it mm. saves a lot of time. Like I get why we're moving in that direction. Even even if it's it makes the backgrounds look a little all too it's sort homogeneous. I feel like kind of like the harmony shows all kind of like look a little the same. Oh, okay, yeah. got yeah. it. That's fair. I think it's because you can't really get like the paint texture, like you were saying. Like that's why I was surprised when you said it's easier in harmony because I know that the the brush tools are there, but they're not as like nice or refined as like Photoshop, yeah. obviously, um, because it's yeah. all vectors. It's not like exactly. Um, yeah, it's not uh, rasterized. Oh, that, that's yeah. another reason why Harmony is is preferred nowadays in two D animation is because vector art, like you can make as big and as small as you want without losing fidelity. Whereas mm-hmm. a Photoshop background, you you draw it in 1080p and then you go to the show and they're like, oh, we need this in 4K. You might have to redraw the entire thing, you know? Oh, God. So, yeah, that, like I get why we're moving in that way. But in Photoshop, you have so much freedom. Like you can just draw, like, like let your hand go crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Harmony, like the way you draw in Harmony is like you create a line and then you intersect it with another line and then you trim the edges. Mm-hmm. And then harmony mm-hmm. kind of like takes those uh, corners and then rounds them. Yeah, the cut mm-hmm. tool is like my favorite thing in harmony. Anytime I go it. into a different program, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe I'm erasing these by hand like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Like it's when, really good. When, once you learn how to use it, like, it's crazy. Oh, and the harmony has built-in perspective tools as well. Mm-hmm. It saves so much time production was photoshop you usually have to use plugins for perspective by the way plugin that i use it's called hedge stylus h-e-j if you like background art and you want to like take your background art to the next level must have tool it's like 30 bucks and you own it forever uh it works better okay. in max than it does in windows but really great tool nice great tip a uh, plugin for photoshop for photoshop yeah it's a plugin Oh, no, it's not a plugin. It's like you can use it with any software, but uh, ah. it's just like a little bar that kind of like directs your mouse wherever you need it. So, for example, like you can put a like a vanishing point in mm-hmm. the middle and then every stroke that you do will go towards the vanishing point and stuff. Uh, interesting, interesting. So you can do three point perspective. You can do two point perspective. You can do isometric grids and stuff. Oh, OK. Awesome. So one of the fun things I kind of want to dive into, just because I I know it's a massive different experience, mm-hmm. is you also did some prop design for Justin Bieber's music video at a Colombian studio called uh, Mero Estudio. Yes. Tell us more about that experience and how did that come about? I can imagine that it was probably, was, some people might find it surprising that it might have been faster paced, just because I feel like oftentimes they don't respect the artist, so they always think <laughs> the artwork can be done in a very fast manner. Do you mean for like mute... a music video? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's called Christmas Love. And honestly, like as an experience, okay. like, oh, it, was, it was super fast-paced. It was like two weeks to make an entire music video. An oh, entire like right. animated music video. They were working on Harmony... Uh, assets, props, and backgrounds in Photoshop. I did some bus assets that were butchered later because we didn't 
they didn't, they were in such a rush that they didn't see all of my layers. So they kind of like had to redraw like these doors and stuff. It was like, uh, oh, it was a whole mess. Uh, you're, you're, you probably did it that way because it would have been easier for them to like adjust things if they needed to, but they didn't interpret it well enough where they just yeah. made it harder on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I, the bus had transparencies and like windows and then it had these doors that would open. And uh-huh. I drew everything like separately, and I think like importing, they just like messed up the file in Harmony, and they just kind of like redrew it. So if you like freeze the frame, it, it when the bus like picks up these kids in the ski lodge, the bus looks kind of like there's no line art anymore for the bus. It just it looks really weird. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh no! But it was an experience. It was my first. So like. A little backstory about like a little more on F1 visas if you're interested. Mm-hmm. You're not a, after the first year of your F1 visa in animation, you are not allowed to take on any contract or freelance jobs. You're only allowed to work full time. Oh. And you're not allowed to work on anything outside of animation. So while I was in the US, like working on like the Netflix shows, like at Bento Pop, I wasn't allowed to do anything else so once my visa ended and i left the u.s i was allowed to do freelance jobs for the first time like in my professional career yeah my first job was was this just a theater with metal studio here in, in it was all done remotely too so here's something i'm kind of curious about so your visa right now which is and I'm, I'm assuming you're probably the pandemic is also like another factor i know but are you able to f- are you, are you still able to work for the U.S. working from Colombia or I, is it like, I am right the... now? I, yeah. I, okay. I struck gold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw an opening for Ren and Stimpy, which is being developed at Awesome Incorporated at the moment. Oh wow! And I tested for that, but they were also developing a Daria spinoff called Jody. So <laughs> they put me on the Jody movie. And I've been able to keep working with Awesome Incorporated and, you know, down the path pipeline and stuff at Viacom. I know the rates in Mexico, but I'm I'm just going to assume it's fairly simple for Colombia. But I'm assuming the, the U.S. dollar stretches pretty far where you live. Quite far, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quite far. Yeah. <laughs> very, very far, yeah. I love that. I love that for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Back in the U.S., I was living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you do you see yourself wanting to move back with a visa back to the U.S. or is the dream right now or the ideal situation you staying in Colombia and making that U.S. money? Well, I feel like right now I'm kind of like being pretty lucky that I'm able to work for a U.S. studio, uh, especially because like they they already knew me, so mm-hmm. like I was mm-hmm. able to get back to working with them, and they Awesome Incorporated is really organized and and everything that they do and like something that i noticed about them is they always have like the latest like software or like ways of doing all of the non-animation part of like running an animation studio so like paying them like uh insurance hr time off they're always using like the latest like kind of like a company and for payment they use deal and it's something that i had never used before but it's this great system where they can just like pay me through deal and it deposits directly into my columbia account like it's really smooth but i don't know if it's gonna be that smooth with a different studio like they don't know me yet like i don't know if they work a lot with people from like abroad so you know i i guess like Mm -hmm. i still have a lot to learn about working from outside but Mm -hmm. i know like i'm aware that I would get a lot more jobs in the U.S. Also, if I was like a citizen, I could mm-hmm. take on any like mm-hmm. tiny freelance job and I wouldn't have to worry about visa. But mm-hmm. eventually, yeah, I would love to come back. Yeah. And then For I sure. guess because something I'm not too aware of, like what can help that transition? Like is a is a residency process different in applying for you? Or like what's what's the process for you to have residency status? I would have to residency comes like way later. I would first have to be sponsored on an H one B visa, which is a work mm, visa. Okay, H one B. And yeah, those those usually last for like six years. And the H one B visa is funny because like 
I've never applied for one, but it's basically a lottery because they only have like 60,000 spots per year. Uh, and then there's like millions of applicants and it's not like 65,000 spots for animators. It's 65,000 spots overall. Everyone. Exactly. So I have friends that have been lucky with them. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a friend who's a storyboard artist and she got an H1B, like she got a sponsorship immediately after college. And then a year later she has her H1B. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. The only thing about the H1B is that it's contingent on the company that you're working for. So, yeah. Yeah, so you have to stay 6 years at the company that you're at. Yeah. I and then once that. Yeah, and then once you you complete your your H1B, you have to figure out another sponsorship in order to complete 10 years living in the US in order to apply for residency. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people that go to college in the U.S., they complete those 10 years from, like, four at school and then six on the H-1B. Also, the further your education is, like, the the higher your education is, the more spots become available on H-1Bs. So, master's degree students and PhD students have, like, a preference for, like, they, they get more spots on H-1Bs. And uh-huh. if you go, if for people out there that like are into education and they want to go into like academia, there's no caps for H1Bs on on education. Oh, so cool. yeah. So if you're listening from outside of the U.S. and you want to be a teacher and like you've worked like years, you know, outside of the U.S. in education, and you want to go and teach in the U.S. and you do a master's degree in the U.S., you can get an H1B without a cap, like immediately. If you get a job, wow, move to the U.S. as a teacher. That's really interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah, a quick follow up: like, do those ten years have to be congruent, or it, can it be separate? Like, because you, they have, you they went have to four be, years, they have to be continued. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you you mm-hmm. basically have to reset because you you attended Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah. So that time resets now. If you were to start it resets six oh, years yeah. down the drain. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Hope you find a way back to the U.S. Because honestly, I think your I've looked at your portfolio and listening your I love your background. I think it's so cool, especially <laughs> the ones you. that you did for Carried Away. Yeah, and dude. just some of your own personal stuff. I think it's super super cool. So, wishing you best of luck. But until then, keep making that U.S. money in in, <laughs> in Colombia and just like stretch yeah, just that dollar up. as far as yeah. you can. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, I mean, like, I'm going to keep applying, you know, and like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes like Titmouse has like jobs where they say like anywhere in the world to, you know, just keep applying. Yeah, please do. And the next thing I kind of want to ask is how do you feel your cultural background influences you and your art? I don't know. I feel like you're kind of like limited into the style of the show that you are working on. Mm-hmm. I feel like my life experiences influence more my work than my cultural background does Mm -hmm. Mm. but you know i try to put little easter eggs sometimes in 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 different backgrounds that i do i remember there was this in smash there was uh saturday morning all-star hits there were some scenes that took place in a museum and i would have to put like these like museum uh artifacts in the foreground of a shot and i put colombian golden statue in one of those foreground shots. Oh, cool! But don't go looking for it because that that background was never used. I did put a bag of uh, Colombian coffee in the background of a uh, bird girl. Oh! If you go to Judy's office, like I think in like episode two or three, and you look in the background in like her little like kitchenette that she has in her office, there's a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, and then there's a bag of Juan Valdez coffee in the background. <laughs> 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 <Sweet>. <laughs> nice. Uh, see, I love, I, I love stuff like that. Again, I think, I think this is only things that like we, those in the space can actually appreciate. Because like, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's hundreds of shows that even though I follow the artists and I love their work or shows I grew up, they know all the little things that they hit inside. That's that the only people are going to appreciate is either them or their their inner circle. And I love that in animation. Yeah. It's super fun. When, whenever you can get away with it, like it's like your little, my little secret. 
Uh, to go back on what you said about like, uh, rather than your cultural background, but your life uh, experience, how specifically, I guess, have you brought that into your work? I'm curious and why you would like distinct it, you know? So I have a background in uh, car design, like designing really? like vehicles. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And somehow like I always end up drawing cars in a lot of my, my shots, especially as props. Like in Bird Girl, I, I did like a helicopter. I did a, a Hummer. Uh, I did a, mm-hmm. I did a cop car, did a little like compact car. I mean, my supervisor knew that I, I like cars and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So, so she would always assign me really cool like car shots. Shout out to mm-hmm. Kat Stockton. Hey, yeah, Kat Stockton. <laughs> Shout out to Kat. Best boss. Yeah. I've learned a lot from her in perspective and like working a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've worked on two projects with her and she's, yeah, best boss you can ask for. Push shift in topic as we start to like wind down on the interview. We know that you do stand up comedy on the side, which is, I think is super <laughs> interesting and like something Yuki was telling me about. Does exercising that creative thinking influence your art or is it like you know is it just something for fun like how does uh how does doing comedy uh influence or help your art if it does at all i wouldn't say that right now i'm like a side stand-up comic but back when i lived in Atlanta, i i would do the whole like open mic circuit and mm-hmm. back on bird girl which is when i was doing the most stand-up in Atlanta, i would put little like Easter eggs in like the office shots. There would be some shots where like they would have like posters in the wall and stuff. So I would add like little jokes and stuff. And Kat, my supervisor, she always liked the jokes. Like she would always zoom in in my background and like check it out and like add a little like (laughs) during revisions, add a little note of like, haha. And a lot of them made it to like the, that, the actual show. Final cut. So yeah, I try to try to put little jokes everywhere I can. They were jokes from your stand-up routine. No, no, no. They were like relevant to like whatever was was going on in the scene or the context okay, of it. the of the shot. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> that would be weird if it, <laughs> if it was like my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just curious. I, I mean, I like I threw in this question because uh, it was really funny. We worked in office together for about six weeks. And during that time, uh, you were like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this open mic. And, like, of course, we were like, we're going to go see you. Like, <laughs> like us, you know, a, a couple of the other, like, animators, we were just hanging out. And we were like, yeah, let's go go see Juan. And, like, right, like, the week before, I think we were yeah. going to go see you. We were like, everyone's working from home. The pandemic is getting really bad. Yeah. <laughs> now the open it, mic is canceled. Yeah, they canceled it like every open mic in Atlanta, like for yeah. like a, a long time. And people were doing like Zoom shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Weird time. Terrible time yeah. to start stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, anyway, yeah. I'm glad we got to touch on it. I was just like really sad that we never got to see you. <laughs> I'll get back on it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine trying to do stand up in Zoom when like it's crickets, it's like, well, it's everybody on mute. Yeah, everybody on am, am, am I connected? Am I can everybody hear? I'm sorry, you froze for your entire set. <laughs> or, the, or or people are like, no, we we can we can hear you. <laughs> we can hear you. It just wasn't yeah, funny. Loud <laughs> Honestly, that's the that's the worst thing about pitching right now in uh oh, storyboards. Yeah. Just out of respect, like and not to stop the flow of the pitch, people just mute themselves. So it's always hard to read the room if your stuff is interesting or funny. Mm. Yeah, it's oh, like you, you have nothing to bounce off of when you're pitching. And it's just afterwards, they were like, oh, that was great. Or, oh, that was funny. And your head was like, I hope you mean it. Because, yeah, I if you <laughs> laughed, I didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, God, it's so annoying. <laughs> I bet you missed like the room with the post-its and everything. Like, yeah, dude, I never I never got to do. I was only in studio for about a week when I started as, on, as a revisionist on Gremlins. And then, you're, a, you're a pandemic baby. I am a pandemic baby. <laughs> pandemic my, baby. my career has been majority pandemic working from home. As we wrap up, and before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to promote? Uh, you can find me in Medellin, Colombia, in Envigado. No, uh, you can find me. 
You can find me on Instagram at one, like the number, which is one Montoya. And then my website is also onemontoya.com. And uh, yeah, it's really all my social media. I don't, I don't really use ArtStation. Anybody out there uses ArtStation? I should use ArtStation. <laughs> I think a lot of like BizDev and like painters use ArtStation. Video game industry yeah. a lot. Yeah, a lot of video game station. industry for sure. Mm-hmm. The stuff over there is intimidating to say It's so least. intense. I'm like, oh, I can't put anything here. <laughs> Uh, but imagine just being that niche, just posting like really derpy art when all because yeah, when you think art station, you think all this great, amazing concept art, like these these floating buildings, these <laughs> magnificent creatures, and you're just posting like derpy dogs. That would yeah. be great, actually. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> posting my tender touches backgrounds there. <laughs> so as as we come to close, is there any final advice that you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Give up. Stop it. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. <laughs> no, dude, like, it's just, you got to put your work out there and you got to fill out forms. Like, forget about the whole, like, foot in the door thing or, like, I know someone that works there. Like, my life is solved. Like, I know the third background artist on, like, whatever studio. Like, no, just apply, 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 apply. Be, like, be proud of your work. No matter if you've done, like, one 30 second shot or you've done like 80 movies like be proud of that one thing that you got and like apply 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 they actually read those application think forms people think they don't but they do yeah <laughs> you were saying the last one that you you submitted was really in-depth and, and just kind of like is showing off what you had done and it was the third one you know so like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean even it. if you thought it was a no before like yeah just keep applying yeah well perfect mm-hmm. advice thank you so much for joining us today and if you, audience, enjoyed our interview with Juan today, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcasts at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future, Straight Ahead. Until next week... Have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. That was a pleasure, man. <laughs>